To equip for life with Pastor Christopher Brooks. Before we get into the conclusion of Commitment to Biblical Thinking Part 3, we want to give you a very special update about our upcoming listener appreciation event. Please note that tonight's event is postponed until Wednesday, July 27th, 2016. We are so thankful for each listener, partner, and supporter, and it is our desire to connect with as many of you as possible. So in order to provide as many people as possible the opportunity to join us for our celebration, we have selected a new date. Again, it will take place on Wednesday, July 27, 2016, on the campus of Evangel Ministries located in our conference center. If you would like to register for the event, call 313-836-7732 or email us at info at equippedforlife.tv by Wednesday, July 13th. Now let's go into the Sanctuary of Evangel for the message, Commitment to Biblical Thinking, Part 3. You want to start a new trend, just be happy about what you got. You you start a new trend, you just be happy about what you got, and then there's going to be somebody looking at you saying, man, I want what they have. And yours may not even be on the same level as theirs, but you just got a thankful attitude. Amen? The problem that I have so often with the prosperity message as we know it in the day is that it's not enough for God to meet your needs anymore, but God got to bless you on the level of your peer group. And if I'm not blessed on the level of my peer group, somehow God has disappointed me. Even if I got a good job, even if my bills are paid and I'm able to eat, let's get real. We got to start realizing that God is good and that my competition is not you. God is good and he has met and supplied every one of my needs. Somebody say hallelujah. Another bad thought. You don't want to get into the habit of thinking. And some of you are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but God's greatest desire is for you to be happy. Don't you think that God's greatest desire is for you to be happy? Some of you say, but doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes, after you're holy. His first and greatest desire is for you to be holy. Does God want you to be happy? Sure. And here's how he defines happiness. You want wanting what he's giving. See, he defines happiness as you falling in love with what he's doing in your life. He's not defining happiness as him giving you what you want. Amen. Well, doesn't the Bible say that God will give me the desires of my heart? Sure, he will give you what to desire. He will place it in your heart. That's what that scripture is speaking to. Amen. Amen. Is God giving you a blank check? Sure, with some parameters. If you ask anything in accordance to my will, it shall be given unto you. Amen. You can't just go around asking for somebody else's spouse and think God going to give it to you because you want to be happy. Somebody else's job, but I want to be happy. Amen. (laughs) 
You got to ask in according to his will. And if you ask in according to his will, then he will bless you. Kick these thoughts out of your mind. And the fifth and final thing I told you don't think is don't think that the ends justify the means. Don't think that. Don't think that the ends justify the means. Because God is just as concerned with how you get blessed as he is with you being blessed. God is concerned about how you conduct yourself. I want to say something to every businessman and woman that's in here. Be ethical. Be a Christian. Don't just be a Christian at home. Don't just be a Christian in church. But be a Christian in your business and professional life also. You know, we live in a day and hour where the IRS is scrutinizing churches all the more. I mean, the churches are being scrutinized. Pastors are being scrutinized. But you know what? We should be able to say, bring on the scrutinization. Why? Because we should be able to rise above the law. We should be able to operate on a higher standard. The church shouldn't be the most corrupt. Amen? And one of the greatest ways for you to avoid corruption is quit looking for the hookup. Some of you are so in love with getting a discount and getting hooked up that you are compromised just to say you saved 10%. Me and my son were out, and he just recently brought his first car, and we were uh, buying a car, and the guy who was selling us the car was filling out the back of the title, and he says, how much you want to put down that you brought this for? Because it's going to affect how you pay your taxes. I said, put down what we paid for it. And he, he said, well, that's your money. And here's the reality is that for so many people, the, the compromise is so, uh, is so uh, blatant. And he knew I was a pastor, and he knew I was a man of God. And I don't say this to criticize him because in, in his heart, he genuinely was trying to do something that he thought was good for me. But I used it. I seized it as an example to let him know I don't need to hook up. It, it, whatever the price is, I'm willing to pay for it. If the rules say I can't do it, then I just won't do it. Now, if the rules are against God's law, I got to obey God's law. But how many know that most of the rules we disobey are not biblical rules that, that are in contradiction and in question? Amen? Amen. I mean, we got to get to the place where we pay for our cable. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Amen? Well, we tell the truth on our application. If you got fired, admit you got fired. And then put on the bottom, let's talk about it. (laughs) Amen? They shouldn't have fired me. Amen? If you got something in your background, put down you got something in your background for two reasons. Number one is what a Christian should be. And God is able to bless you and show you surprising favor when you trust him enough to be uh, uh, integrous. But the other reason why we need to be honest is because we live in a day and age where everybody's going to get caught anyway. I mean, nothing is in the darkness that won't be brought to the light. Amen? I mean, we got too much technology. Too many people know what you're doing before you do it. You might as well tell the truth, turn to your neighbor and say, quit lying. Just be honest. Amen? Amen. But rather, when it comes to God's word and the five biblical thoughts that I want to give you today, what you want to do is make sure that you are not resistant to God's truth. Some of us are so open to worldly truth, but we're resistant to God's truth. How many know the Bible talks about the hardened heart? having a hard heart. And Israel was called a hard-hearted people. And what that means is that their hearts had grown to a place where it was difficult for God to get truth into it. But how many want to be soft and pliable in the hand of God? How many want to be easy for God to deal with mold and shape as a potter? Amen? Amen. So pray. Begin to pray right now. Lord, let my heart be open to your truth. 
Begin to pray that, Lord, let my heart be open to your truth. Now, let me close by giving you five biblical thoughts that you need to establish your life on. Five biblical thoughts that you need to establish your life on. The first thought is that God is sovereign. The first thought you need to establish your life on, what an awesome thought that God is sovereign. Write that down. God is sovereign. Every, every day I go through things, and I go through good things and bad things, but my common question is always, God, what are you up to? And when I am being rebuked on a regular basis, I understand that it is God who's allowing me to be rebuked. And when I'm being challenged, it's God who's allowing me to be challenged because he loves me enough to work some things out of my character so that my blessing will be able to flourish. When I'm being blessed, I realize it's God that's blessing me. Now, some of you, again, you'll get mad at somebody for something that they're not even in control of. How could this person say this or do that? But understand that God is orchestrating things. And there will be times in your life where you won't understand all that God is doing. But you know this, that God is involved. Say that again. God is involved. Amen. And this type of thinking is really going to help you in your moments of crises and frustration because it's in those moments when the enemy will cause you to begin to think that somehow this, uh, this was orchestrated by fate. Do you know a lot of Christians still believe in, 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 uh, in coincidences? A lot of Christians still believe in chance. A lot of Christians still believe in horoscopes. A lot of Christians still believe in a whole lot of foolish things, but you need to understand that there is no such thing as a coincidence. Amen? Not if you serve a sovereign God. There is no such thing as chance. There is no such thing as mistake. There is no such thing as a horoscope. No, it is God who orchestrates the affairs of man. Psalm 37 verse 23 says it this way. The steps of the righteous man are ordered or ordained by the Lord. Righteous man's steps are ordered. Righteous woman's steps are ordained by the Lord. That means God is orchestrating the affairs of your life. So some of you are in a place right now where you're going through. You need to ask yourself, God, what are you up to? Because how many know that the quicker you learn the lesson, the quicker the trial can be over? Amen. Some of you don't realize, but you control your own timetable in many ways. The trial ends when you submit. And how many know that the Bible talks about God wrestling with Jacob? He wrestled with Jacob until he finally said, I submit. You better learn how to say, I submit, God. Whatever you're doing, I'm not going to fight you no more. If you want me to be more humble, I'll be more humble. If you want me to be nice to my spouse, I'll be nice to my spouse. You want me to begin to change, I'll change. But whatever you do, God, allow things to begin to change in my favor. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, God is sovereign. I mean, that's a great way to establish your life. Great way. Anytime something happens, I know God is sovereign. Second way, the second great thought to establish your life is God is good all the time. Oh, I want to say that again. God is good all the time. Somebody say that with me. God is good all the time. All the time. Oh, that's not just a cliche. That's the truth. That's the truth you need to establish upon your life. Your life upon is that God is good all the time. Now, notice that the emphasis of this thought is not just simply on the fact that God is good, but it's on how often God is good. God is, is not just good because most of you, if I asked you, was God good, you would say, oh, you didn't say that loud. Most of you, if I asked you if God is good, you would say, 
Yes, now we sound saved, amen? But if I asked you in the midst of your crises and difficulty, is God good now? You just got laid off. Is God good now? You just got a bad doctor's report. Is God good now? You just lost a loved one. Is God good now? You don't got no money. Now, what are you saying yes to, that you don't have no money or that God is let, let me finish the question so we won't be confused. But God is good. Is he good? Now, here's what I want you to do. Apply it. Apply it. And the greatest way you can apply it is to first be convinced of it. Repeat it over and over again in your heart and in your mind till it's become the bedrock of your life until no matter what they do to you, you can still say that God is good. Had a friend of mine say to me uh, earlier this week, he said, you know, you're put together in such a way that I truly believe that if you had one arm amputated, you would still be praising God, saying how good God is. And I said, you know what? I'd be one one-handed praising God saying yes God is good why it's because I'm convinced that in all these things now don't get me wrong I'm a human being I am going to have natural emotions and initial thoughts but the, the truth is is that my prayer is that I've so entrenched this way of thinking into my life that I'm able to confess even when it doesn't look good that it is good amen Romans chapter 8 verse number 18 says it this way And we know that in all things, God works together for the good, for them who love him, and for them who are called according to his purpose. We know that all things God is working together for the good, all things. Somebody say all things. So this means that even when you don't understand God's methods, make sure you praise him for his motives. You don't always understand the the instruments that the physician uses. But you know that if you got a good physician, his end goal is good for you. So you use whatever method you have to, Doc, as long as I come out better on the other side. And we got to start saying that to Jesus. I don't always understand, Jesus, why you allow things to happen the way you did. But I know this, you're good. You're good all the time. And, I, and that's why I'm praising you because of who you are. Amen? Not just for what you've done, but because of who you are. And that was Romans 8:28. Thought number three. Let's go there. Third, great thought. Now, this is a thought that, I I mean, only mature Christians think. And the Christians that I have been most impressed with over my life, both in Scripture and in history and in my current life, is uh, those who are able to embrace this thought. And, and, And here we go. The thought is, it's not all about me. Oh, here we go. Here's a a stronghold. Some of you think that the earth, the moon, and the stars rotate around you. That everything is about you. You have to be the center of attention. That everything that's going on is all about you. And that's why when you don't feel like coming to church, you don't come to church. When you don't feel like giving, you don't give. Because after all, it's all about you, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is, is it's not all about you. As a matter of fact, you have the humble privilege of being one of many participants in the grand story of the redemptive plan of God for humanity. And the 
fact of the matter is, is God placed you here for somebody else. He placed you here to be a blessing to somebody else. And when you get in your mind that God, I'm not going to church just for me, that I'm, I'm not uh, paying my tithes just for me. I'm not doing good just for me. But Lord, it's not all about me. As a matter of fact, it's all about God. It's all about God being glorified. It's all about his kingdom being established. Somebody say it's not all about me. Now, again, it's not enough to say you got to what? Apply it. Amen. It's not all about you. You know, sometimes God will allow you to suffer and it ain't even about you. I am thoroughly convinced as a leader in God's church, sometimes God allows some of the suffering that go, comes on in my life. He allows me to suffer so that I can be a better minister to other people. Because ministry doesn't come just from intellect. Ministry comes from the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. And I'm convinced that some of the times when I'm going through, I'm not just going through through for me, but I'm going through for you. Amen. And guess what? Sometimes when you're going through, you're going through for that person you're going to have to minister to. And, and just what if you didn't go through? How would you be able to look that person in the eye who's at the place of despair and say to them, I know exactly what you're going through. I've been there, but can I tell you that God is good? And if you really want to make sense of your suffering, then know that God is sovereign. And secondly, know this, that it's not all about me. Amen. What does the Bible say about this? Listen to Philippians chapter two, verse number one says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, have the same mind, or, or have the same love, one for another, being one in spirit and purpose. Now listen to this, verse number three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, listen to this, consider others better than yourself. Consider other people as being more important than you. How many feel like you are the most important person to you? Many of you feel like you're the most important person to you, but you got to get to the place where other people's comforts and needs are more important than your own comfort and need. Can you imagine if the church actually lived this way? There'll be less selfishness in church. There'll be less bickering and fighting in church. But the problem is, is that everybody wants to have their own needs met. Everybody is so committed to winning the argument that they lose the people. Amen? You can't be so committed to winning the argument that you, that you lose the person. We're not here to be right. We're here to be righteous. Amen? We're here to be used by God to be a blessing to somebody. And sometimes you're going to have to say, you know what? Not my will, but God, your will be done so that somebody else might be blessed. How many can say amen to that? Fourth thought that you need to establish your life on. Another very mature thought. Here's a good thought for you. It's a privilege to serve. It's a privilege to serve. There are so many here that feel like serving others is a burden, and that somehow doing good to others is a penalty or a punishment. You know, I was so happy when I read the Scouts Pledge, and I see them uh, saying that they want to help others at all times whenever an opportunity presents itself. Oh, I wish that more Christians could live like that. Because some of us, we feel like, why do they have to call me again? Why every time something happens, they got to pick up the phone. Don't they know I'm busy? You better thank God that they're calling you. You better thank God that they're calling you. Because that means that there's something going good in your life. If something wasn't going good in your life, then they wouldn't call on you. They'd be calling your name before the throne. Amen? 
And they'd be praying about you instead of calling you for prayer. How many of you would rather be on the other end of that? Amen? Amen. Getting the call. Praise the name of the Lord. And some of you, you have the attitude that you're doing God a favor when you volunteer. And somehow you're God's gift to the kingdom. You know, you treat God like, uh, like, like you do the American Red Cross or some other volunteer organization. You know, God is not looking for a few good volunteers. He's looking for some bond servants who understand that we owe him our lives and that I am eternally indebted to God. And I'm not doing him a favor when I show up for church on Sunday. I'm not doing him a favor when I use the gift he gave me. So here you are. He gave you a little sweet voice and you using it, acting like you should get an honorarium. Listen, here's the reality is that if God didn't give you the voice, then nobody would be calling on you. It was God who did it in the first place. Amen. Thank God for it. And if nobody else ever appreciates you, no, it's a privilege to serve. Somebody say that. It's a privilege to serve. Say that. It's a privilege to serve. And you know what? It's a privilege to be doing anything for God. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. How many know it's it's a privilege to clean for God? How many know it's a privilege to shovel for God? How many know it's a a privilege to vacuum for God? Oh, I lost some of y'all. Amen? Oh, we all want the glamour jobs. What, God, what if God says, hey, I want you to go and do something that nobody else will applaud, do something that nobody else wants to do? And you know one of the greatest prayers you can pray if you really want to see the power of God flow through you? Begin to pray, God, give me the jobs that nobody else wants. Can you imagine the anointing on your life, what God would do if you begin to in earnest and sincerity pray, God, give me the job that nobody else wants. Send me to the people that nobody else wants to go to. Have me do what everybody else has walked away from. The problem, the reason why many of you can't understand missions is because you don't know it's a privilege to serve and you think it's all about you. But when you begin to get this type of thought in your mind that it's a privilege to serve, you say, God, send me where nobody else wants to go. And God says, yes, and he does it. And and he gives you grace and favor. Why? It's because you're not looking to be pleased, but rather you're looking to serve. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Now, if anybody deserved to be served, who was it? It was the Son of Man. But what did he do? He, he got down on his hands and knees, got out of basin, got out of towel, and he began to wash feet. Now, what if I asked you to wash your neighbor's feet? Look at him. Some of you wouldn't, don't even want to look at him right now. And the problem is some of y'all married. You still don't want to look at each other. Amen? But do you know we've had uh, our retreats, both our women and our men's retreats. Uh, We, for a long time, have foot washing services every year. And I'm telling you, you want to have a breakthrough. I mean, the tears that come running down. When somebody, when the father's able to wash his son's feet and the husband's able to wash his wife's feet and a woman is able to wash her sister's feet, what begins to happen is those walls that the enemy wants us to erect that divide us against each other will come crumbling down. Amen? You want to see the church united and blessed? More people need to begin to think it's a privilege to serve. Last thought that I think is important, and then we're going to end right here, is thought number five that says, I am who I am. Because of the grace of God. Write that down. I am who I am because of the grace of God. I am what I am because of the grace of God. Saints, this is one of the most healthy and humbling thoughts that a person could ever think. And here's what it does. It causes you to remember that I'm not here because I'm smart. 
or because I'm good looking or because I'm innovative. No, I am here because of God's grace. And you know what else it will do? It will keep you from judging other people. It will keep you from judging other people. You got to get to a place where you know that but by the grace of God, there go I. You know what to keep you from judging other people? To realize that you didn't make it because you were so strong. You didn't make it because you were so moral. You didn't make it because you were so righteous. You made it because God showed grace and mercy. And the next time you see somebody who's addicted and bound and lost and confused and deceived, don't you dare go and just judge, but you say, but by the grace of God, there go I. And look at this scripture with me real quickly. First Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, NIV says, Paul writing in verse number 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you get that in your heart today, that I am who I am because of the grace of God? But guess what? As long as God's grace doesn't run out, I'm going to be okay. And how many know that God's grace is inexhaustible and that he will bless you if you obey his word? How many can begin to meditate on these thoughts? Amen? Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise in this place today. This concludes today's broadcast, but we hope the message, Commitment to Biblical Thinking, Part 3, has been a blessing to you. And we pray that you'll join us on the next Equipped for Life. Thank you for listening to the Equipped for Life broadcast, which is sponsored by Evangel Ministries and faithful ministry partners like you. If you would like to learn more about our partnership opportunities or get a copy of any of these powerful messages, please go to our website at www.equipforlife.tv. We also invite you to visit us at Evangel for one of our dynamic Sunday worship services at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. You may contact our church office at 313-836-7732 for more details.